life, and politics with Republican leanings. Welcome to Famila and Friends, the show that mutes the sound bites and noise pollution to bring you the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear. Hosted by nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Famila and her team of friends tell it like it is, and no topic is off the table. Get ready to cut through the clutter. Now here's your host of Famila and Friends, Famila Ramos, on The Answer San Diego. Good evening and welcome to Family and Friends. I'm Pamela Ramos coming to you from sunny San Diego with, of course, a few of my very good friends, Kalina, Elijah, and Hazai. Hello, 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 friends. Go ahead and introduce what yourselves. Up. Kalina O'Connor, hello. What up? This is Elijah. What's going on, guys? This is Kayam Hazai. Welcome back, my friends. What is this, our fourth show now? Yeah, What show. do you guys think so far? I think we're doing great. I think it's good. It's amazing. <laughs> awesome, awesome. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I had a pretty busy week for my two girls. It was their last week of school. I mean, that's if you can call it school. Come on, let's be real here. The teachers started their summer <laughs> vacations early, right? Right. I mean, for Teacher Appreciation Week, I was expecting flowers and candy. And instead, Mason and Cove wrote their teachers thank you notes. And I'm like, hello, what about me? I've been your teacher for the last three months. Like, Aww. hello, where's my candy? Uh, well, you're just a mom. Mean mom. My kids are different, so they're not really in school yet. But you know me, I'm just steady working on teaching them about plants and nature. Mm -hmm. Man, the way you talk about plants, you would think you were a vegetarian. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait a minute, Hazai. You're a vegetarian. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, getting back to my point, I had a really crazy busy week from errands to housework to it never stops. And I didn't realize how much junk I had in all my closets until I had to look for my daughter's library book. I mean, I had old toys, old clothes, old shoes, old everything. (laughs) I threw it all in bags and put them in the garage, and now my garage is a huge mess, and I look like a hoarder. Hoarder, man, a junkyard. But the thing about today, right now, with the COVID, it seems like a lot of people have been turning their garages into little small gyms, so that's been a good thing. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I still didn't find my book, the library book. <laughs> we got to find that. They're probably looking for that book right now. I know, right? Um, I'm also trying to spruce up the backyard and make it more fun for the kids. I bought one of those plastic pool tubs, and I can say, it's not the same. They have more fun in my tub. Yeah, well, your littles are probably way too big for that thing anyway. <laughs> you know, like I tell them, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> and hopefully the HOA opens up the pools again. Yes. Man, this is what you do. You should get a slip and slide. You know, if my backyard wasn't mostly concrete. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? (laughs) Right. You know, I feel rude for not asking. How was your guys' week? You know, it was pretty good, minus all the, you know, the riots happening now in San Diego and all over the world. Um, That's been pretty scary, pretty trippy. OB had a protest. It was nice and peaceful, so that's nice. So I had a good week. Great. Uh, Actually, me and my wife, uh, Ruby, we tried to skip the riots, and Mm -hmm. we went for a long drive to Julian. And then to Oceanside Pier. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Next time, for sure, I'll invite you guys. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, we grabbed some food to go and then Netflix and chill as usual, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Seems like you on a mission. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Me, basically, I did the same thing. I was excited that the beaches actually now let you sit down so we could build some sandcastles. So that was really good. And uh, I got to watch some riots, some protests, some looters, a mm-hmm. uh, bunch of different things. Ooh. Yeah. 
Well, joining us in a bit is Michael Swartz. He is the executive director of the San Diego County Gun Owners Path, and he'll be catching us up on all the latest when it comes to our Second Amendment rights. Can't wait to hear from him. And also joining us is congressional candidate Sergeant Major Juan Hidalgo. We'll be hearing about all the great things he's doing for the American people, and knowing him, it's not limited to his district. Very nice guy, very genuine man, the kind you want in Congress, an absolute doer. Rather than a talker. We don't need any more do-nothing politicians, guys. <laughs> we sure don't. But getting back to Michael Schwartz, I remember him from the Gun Sports Radio. Wasn't the show in the same room, too? Producer Todd, is it the same room? Yes, the exact same room. Cool. <laughs> See, here at Family and Friends, we like to include everybody. All lives matter. Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, I remember attending that uh, the gun prom that they had, and it was so much fun. They had great speakers, great food, great wine, great prizes, and of course, you know, a great time. Um, and their auction, um, their auctions, really, it's like shopping for me. Yeah. You know, it's something about a live auctioneer getting you excited, bidding on things you don't want. (laughs) (laughs) Remind me not to ever let Ruby go with you. (laughs) Oh, no. What did you buy? I mean, bid on besides the hour at the Gun Sports Radio. You know, like I said, live auctions are always super fun. I do get carried away. But at the end of the day, why do we go to these galas? Why do we go to these events? It's to support the cause. You mean bad shopping habits. You ladies are all the same. (laughs) All right, all right. Confessions of a shopaholic. You found me out. I love shopping, whether it's at the grocery store, the mall, a vintage boutique, a charity event, whatever. But but anyway, getting back to Kalina's question, the first item, as we discussed, was an appearance at the Gun Sports Radio. Yeah, that was my first time doing radio, actually. I was actually surprised I bit on that one. I remember Louisa, one of my table mates, asking, you want to be on the radio? And what are you going to talk about on Gun Sports Radio? And I was like, yeah, what did I just do? And, <laughs> and here we are a year, a year later with our own show. I know. It's crazy. You know, the second auction prize was a trip to SAC with um, Senator Brian Jones that I still haven't taken yet. And then... Wait, there's more. <laughs> you know, this, this is the last one, I promise. It was a day of training with Matt and Jamie. They both look like G.I. Joes. They're from ADS, ASDS Combat Shooting. And it was so much fun. It was really hot, but fun. Was that your first time uh, holding a gun? No, it wasn't. I signed up for training at one of those gun ranges, and my instructor was the absolute best, very knowledgeable, made me feel comfortable, safe. And um, he was telling me about a story about um, one of uh, the clients that he had who brought in her own gun and that she never once fired. And during the active shooting part, she just ran out. And I was like, wow, why did she run out? But during my active session, I... The bullets are freaking me out. And I was like, oh, I, I got to get out of here. I, I, didn't take, I didn't care how much I paid. I told him I'd even pay him again if he'd let me out. That's awesome. That's crazy. Honestly, that must have been some sight to see. I wonder what I would have done if I was there. Oh, be nice, Elijah. <laughs> I can understand that. Uh, it's pretty serious stuff. It's not for everyone. You know, my instructor grabbed me from behind by the so- shoulders and said, relax. If you leave now, you'll never come back. You can do this. And, and he was laughing. I just hope he wasn't laughing at me. With you, definitely. <laughs> and you know what? He was absolutely right. If I left, I would have never come back. I mean, I put my big girl panties on and I got through it. I mean, don't tell me you guys weren't a little nervous when you guys first held the gun. Yeah, of course I was. It's a scary thing. Not me. I just shoot for the moon. <laughs> Actually, I was really uh, nervous about, uh, you know, the guns. Yeah. But... uh 
it's good to protect yourself. So definitely, I'm all for guns to protect yourself. Yeah. Right, right. Well, you know, bottom line, I don't have a gun to kill people. I have one to keep from being killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would feel awful if an intruder, like one of those Antifa commies, broke in <laughs> and I couldn't protect my family. I mean, not today. Not today. Nope, not ever. You know, I heard you're going to be able to start getting AK-47s at Costco now. So, <laughs> Wow. Costco. You know, remind me when I get toilet paper. <laughs> you know, now my 14-year-old daughter, she wants to learn how to shoot. And I'm all for it. I mean, I'd, I'd like for her to be trained professionally at least a couple times. I mean, as a woman, it's important to know how to defend yourself. Yeah, it's best to play it safe. I'd totally do the same with my kids. You know, growing up, my father had guns. He was in the military. My brothers were also big on guns and gun rights, and they always have been. And, you know, it's really interesting that since the pandemic, um, gun sales actually went up. Yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't. And they went up, and there hasn't been one mass shooting, like, at a school or anywhere. Nothing. Right, right. You know, I was reading an article about a man who had never held a gun in 38 years. And when the corona crisis started, he wanted a gun to protect himself and his family because he's Asian. Mm. And you know what was going on back then, right? And he was just frustrated on how difficult it was to get a firearm. And he complained on how insane the state's gun laws were. He finally got a gun in May. And now he's a total fan, a huge gun rights advocate. That's awesome. You know, um, I think that people started buying guns because it's scary. It's when the Corona hit, there was no toilet paper. There was nothing. We had to protect ourselves. You don't know what's going to happen. I know. You know, there's so much politics surrounding guns in the U.S. People are tired of being controlled like children, especially when it comes to their rights as citizens. Strict strict restrictions usually cause people to become more skeptical of gun control. Mm -hmm. Places that have stricter gun control have more shooting. That's a fact. I haven't done my research, but I'm pretty sure it's true. Yeah. Take a look at what happened in Canada. I mean, in general, shootings are about criminals and violence, and they have nothing to do with the law-abiding citizens. You know, a criminal will always find ways to be a criminal. Mm -hmm. I mean, God forbid that a Democrat becomes president and gun sales are eventually banned. I mean, we we all know how the majority of them feel about the Second Amendment. I mean, imagine what a mess that would be. The only reason why the government would want to disarm you after all all these years is because they intend to do something you want to shoot them for. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, remember what happened in Virginia when they tried to take people's guns away? Protests. Peaceful protests. Yep, and they were not having it. You know, I see nothing wrong with defending our Second Amendment rights with our First Amendment rights and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Well, up next we have Mike Swartz. He is from San Diego County Gun Owners Pact. We'll be hearing from him shortly. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. I still believe, still believe. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> welcome back, welcome back. Here on the line with us is Michael Swartz, Executive Director of the San Diego Gun Association. Welcome to the show, Mike. So glad you can be with us today. Thank you. I love that my theme song is Britney Spears. (laughs) (laughs) We figured, we figured that. (laughs) So how are you doing? I haven't seen you in like forever. I'm doing great, doing really well. Of course, it's, it's been an odd three months, uh, you know, or, you know, since March and we've definitely had to adjust and there've been some battles we had to fight. Um, but we're, we're continuing to function and and be successful. And I'm very proud of all our, 
all our volunteers and our board and our staff and everybody and, and, and how we've, uh, how we've, how, what we've done and what we've been able to do during all this. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what's the latest regarding, what's the latest news locally regarding our second amendment rights? Well, we actually just put out, I, first off, I just wanted to say that, you know, the, the, the lockdown order came out in late March and one of the first things that uh, happened uh, regarding set your Second Amendment rights is that the what, at least one of the county board members, Nathan Fletcher, who's just horrible, mm-hmm. um, wanted <laughs> to shut down the, the gun shops. They came out that. and said, yeah, we, we want to shut them down. So we got on the phone immediately um, and uh, started working with the county and the sheriff and making the case that, no, 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 you don't want to shut them down. They are essential. And we were able to keep them open until, um, you know, the the governor actually came in and said, hey, we're leaving it up to the sheriff. And then, of course, the Trump administration came in and clearly defined and said, yeah, absolutely, they're essential. So we're very, very proud of the role that we played in that. We we fought hard to keep them open. And uh, as a result, uh, everybody was able to, uh, you know, go buy ammunition and, and, and firearms to be able mm-hmm. to protect themselves and that sort of thing. But lately, with everything that's going on with the demonstrations and the riots and oh, La Mesa yeah. and Santee and downtown, we actually put up a uh, there were a lot of questions, you know, on, on how to, you know, self-defense and legalities of self-defense. There are a lot of questions on, uh, well, what can I do if I'm a business owner and want to protect my, my business? But I want to make sure that I'm doing things legally. You know, what, what, what can we do? What can we recommend? Like in the so Ronnie King riots where they stood on the, the roofs, right? With the guns? Well, there were, there were questions. Can I do that? Can yeah. I just go mm-hmm. sit in my front doorstep of my business with a shotgun and scare people away? And so what we did is we uh, did a, an interview with an attorney who specializes in California firearms law. And we put that video. It's about a half hour video. We put it up on our YouTube channel and answered uh, all those questions. Really. That's awesome. And uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the things. So. The activism we do and the the information that we produce and uh, all the support we can give to gun owners in San Diego, that's what we're all about. Awesome. Yeah. Um, You know, I noticed quite a broad range of people on your board of directors. How did you manage to recruit such a diverse and broad range of people? That's a great question. First (laughs) off, what I wanted to do is make sure, you know, we started at the end of 2015 and I wanted to make sure that we had enough voices throughout the county, people from all over the county, from all different walks of life, um, so that we, it wasn't clicky and we didn't turn into like a, a single uh, voice or a single issue, that sort of thing. And that we were big enough to where we could get a lot done. So we have close to 30 people on our board. And honestly, what I did is I looked around to see uh, who, who, who were leaders in the, in the community in San Diego. Mm-hmm who cared about the second amendment. And then I sat down with them and I said, look, here's the, here's what I want to do. Here's what we need to do. Here's the plan. Here's the mission statement. And honestly, uh, everybody I approached, uh, didn't just say, uh, yeah, they said, heck yeah. And they jumped <laughs> in with both feet and we were off running. That's awesome. It's kind of like awesome. family and friends. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> You know, um, we were talking earlier about how um, countries or places with stricter gun laws have more violence. I mean, is that true? Can you give some examples? Well, what what happens is um, if you, you know, a firearm is a tool. A firearm doesn't isn't the cause of anything. A firearm doesn't jump up and decide to do something. 
so a firearm is, is a tool. Um, the people who use that tool can either use it for good or they can use it for bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority of people who own a firearm in the United States use it for good. They're lawful people. They use it for sport. They use it for hunting or competition or they're collectors, or they use it to defend their life. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, in fact, they've done a number of studies uh, that uh, show that between a hundred thousand times per year and close to 2 million times per year, somebody in the United States uses a firearm uh, to defend from a violent attack and possibly a murder. Mm. That's a lot. A hundred thousand times, wow. even if you go to the, the, the strictest definition with the strictest, uh, smallest number, a hundred thousand times a year, somebody is defending themselves against rape, against uh, uh, being attacked and beaten and murdered. Yeah, and they're using it the right way. A hundred thousand times. So what happens is if you go into, say, Australia or, uh, you know, some other country, but Australia is a pretty typical example. And you say, all right, well, we're going to remove that tool from, from, from your society. Well, all the, what happens, all the law-abiding people say, okay, I'm law-abiding, I'm good, I'm going to give up my self-defense tool. But who doesn't give up that tool? Well, the bad guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, all the people that are committing gun uh, or breaking gun laws and committing crime and using a gun while they're committing crime, well, they get to keep on doing what they're doing. The law abiding take that tool gets taken away from them. So, you know, in the United States, that would mean that a hundred thousand times, all the way up to two million times per year, somebody would be unable to defend themselves against a dangerous, violent criminal. That's some scary um, stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. So it doesn't really have an impact on uh, on stopping crime. Uh, it, it might there may be uh, it may shift the crime around a little bit, which, which so. You're still going to have violent crime, but maybe the violent crime won't necessarily be with a firearm. Maybe it'll be with with maybe it'll start to shift to another type of uh, weapon. Right. That, um, that's that's but, where I, this is Elijah here. So what I kind of say is, how's it going? Uh, so in sense, the gun, in a sense, as an instrument itself, is the actual um, perpetrator, and then the people who are using it need to uh, figure out what they want to do or why they need to protect themselves or why did this instrument even become a form of protection? And then we look at uh, as the gun rights and as the right to bear arms, what was the even reason for this being available to the public as an instrument? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things we talk about, you know, a lot of people ask, well, gee, how do you, uh, you know, what's the relationship with, uh, uh, with like with these some of these headline mass murders and school shootings and that sort of thing. Yes. And the reality is what 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 ends up happening is, you know, we don't we don't make the claim that if you have a concealed carry permit or if you carry a gun or if there are more guns, it will stop crime. But what it will do is it will prevent crime from becoming, you know, a horrible, heinous event. And uh, let me just give you a, a, a quick example. So in. um uh, in uh, Texas, for example, there was a church that was uh, somebody, horrible, horrible, violent criminal went in and started killing people. And it was stopped by um, a, a guy with a gun, an NRA instructor who had an AR-15. That's the only reason this, this, this mass killer 
stopped his carnage was because someone stood up and said, hey, yeah, now that guy was not in that church. He was actually a, a neighbor who heard uh, uh, who heard shooting. He wasn't prepared. He had to go get his gun. He, oh, had, wow. he didn't, didn't have his shoes part. on. Yeah, he, he wasn't in the church, and he was, you know, he was just a neighbor, and he went running after he. So uh, a lot of people uh, ended up dying because that uh, that murderer had a lot of time to 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 do uh, to do serious damage. Now, flash forward a few months, just a couple of months ago, same same state, Texas, different church. Um, they actually had people that were there with concealed weapon permits uh, at the ready. And another horrible, uh, uh, you know, bad guy stood up and started to uh, wanted to commit a, uh, a mass murder. And he ended up killing two people. But the third person that he was, uh, you know, going to kill ended up killing him, drew from concealment, got a headshot at that. It was something, something like 25 feet um, and ended the carnage. Thank God. So is, yes. It, thank God, truly. Well, you know, I want to know, I want to know how hard is it to get a gun for the first time now, right now? Well, you have to, sure, that's a good question. Right now, um, there's a couple of, there's a couple ways to answer that. First off, there have been so many firearms sold mm-hmm. in the last couple of months that it's hard to find a firearm for sale from a dealer. They've been cleared out because yeah. in the month of April, over 70,000 firearms were sold in San Diego County alone. Um, and about 85% of those were to people who'd never owned a firearm before. And it was all a result of, wow. you know, the, the, the COVID-19 scare. Um, they said, Hey, I got to protect myself. And they finally went and made the decision to own a firearm. So that makes it a little difficult, but uh, year round, when you go purchase a firearm, you have to go through a background check. You have to take a test. Uh, you have to fill out paperwork and pay a fee. You have to go through a 10-day wait period. Um, all this, uh, these are all things that uh, the, the gun shop can help you through. So don't be intimidated. Um, we also have, we're actually launching a program. It's not quite up yet, but it's a program called What the Gun. And uh, we're going to have uh, a resource page so that new gun owners can find out where they can purchase a firearm. They can find out where they can get training, that sort of thing. Nice. We also have a program called Not Me SD, hashtag Not Me SD, that's currently going on, uh, where if you're a woman who wants to purchase a gun, get training, and get a CCW, this sounds like the, the normal shopping techniques. <laughs> Guns for everybody. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, Mike Swartz, for all that information. You bet. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Love your show. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Up next, we have Juan Hidalgo. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back, listeners. As promised, we have congressional candidate Juan Hidalgo Jr. with us. Welcome, Sergeant Major. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, Famila. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I know you're a very busy man. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. I mean, we're all excited to hear all the good things that you're doing for the American people. Thanks. Yeah, we got a lot going on, and I'm always, I always have time for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, first off, um, tell us what you're doing right now. 
What's going on? Well, right now, yeah, well, we have a lot. We've been, we've stayed engaged. Even during the pandemic, uh, the shutdown, we've stayed engaged with our district. We've been out. Uh, we've partnered with 15 different nonprofits and churches to make sure that people are being fed, getting food out to the public. So that's been a majority of our time to ensure that people understand and see, not just I'm not going to wait till I get the Congress to get to work for the district. I'm already working for the people of this district, mm-hmm. unlike the guy, Vargas, who's in office, who hasn't done a thing for anybody, and nobody knows where he is. Even though Congress has been out of session for a long time, then they're back now, but he was hiding out. Nobody knew where he was, but I'm working right now. <laughs> hiding under a rock? No. <laughs> well, nothing new. He hasn't done anything for almost eight years, so why should he start now? Yeah, well, we know you're a doer. So, yeah, And that's what we love about you. So you've spent your entire adult life in service to our country, right? And you've served our country well. So why not enjoy your retirement and relax? Instead, you're running for Congress and doing everything else. Yeah. That's a wonderful question. I get it quite often. And, you know, if I, I just tell people, pretty simple, you know, it's not me who. It's, it's, right now, our country is at war. Mm-hmm. And, and it's between good and evil. It's between, you know, what's right and the left-wing lunatics, and it's time that we stand up. We have people that will stand up and know how to fight uh, for the American people. And, and I couldn't just retire like that. I, there, there's something going on. I need to get to be part of it and make sure I'm helping uh, giving back to the, the, the American people. Well, thank you for doing that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So, Juan, you've been in politics for a while. Um, what would you say is your biggest contribution to the community of San Diego? Well, yeah, I've been, I haven't been in politics. I've been running, and uh, we've been working hard to get in office. Uh, the biggest contribution is the fact that I, I'm not a career politician. Our founding fathers never had in mind career politicians. Mm-hmm. They wanted people just like us to have careers and then serve the country and then go back to your career. So that's what I bring. I bring the fact that I'm a regular person that understands national security, that understands taking care of people, that understands uh, how to look out for Americans. And that's what I'll do best, because I understand really the, the huge fundamental difference between myself and, and my opponent is the fact that I understand what servant leadership is. Okay. And, and also, and what should the people expect from you once they vote for you? Well, once they vote for me, once I'm in office, they're going to see that what servant leaders do. And that's somebody that will work for them all the time, regardless whether the color of their skin, whether they're Democrat or Republican, independent, decline the state. It doesn't matter. The, the thing that matters is that you're an American. I am a proud Republican. Let there be no uh, mistake about it. But I'm going to work for all Americans. That's what they can expect. Somebody that will work for them and their family and their children and look out for their well-being. There we go. Awesome. This is Hazai. Uh, I have a question. What are the three important lessons about the military has taught you? Wow. Taught you? Well, for, I, I already mentioned one is serving leadership and it, it, listening to people, knowing what they need and how to take care of them. Because some people think, you know, in the military, which is true, you know, it's a matter of life and death. Uh, and you have to be able to know what's going on. You have to be smart. You have to think. You have to be a, a quick thinker. And make the, uh, you have to be decisive. Uh, but at the same time, you need to listen uh, because everybody is important. I mean, I took care of everybody from the ambulance general all the way down to the private. It was important to me, and I worked at that level that it was important to look out for everybody. And, and that's, those are two major things. And the last and certainly not least is just selflessness. Okay, awesome. as opposed to, as opposed to being. 
selfish, which the guy I'm running against is selfish because he does not care about the people. As a matter of fact, he's extremely arrogant. What he told a mutual friend recently was that he doesn't even have to campaign because the people will vote for him anyway. And my friend asked me, he says, but you haven't done anything in eight years. He says, it doesn't matter. They'll vote for me. That's That's the huge difference between us. And that's why we need to put, I need to get out of it so I can show people, I can work with them, the American people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it seems that the Democrats are moving more and more to the the radical left. I mean, do you see that in your district? Some, uh, but the great thing I'm seeing in my district, the other day I walked up uh, to a group, a new group that I I joined to help uh, a few distribution points. And they were all Democrats. You know, I knew this already going in. And I told them, as we started talking, they were welcoming. And I'm gosh darn, I'm glad to be here. And guys, so you know up front, I am a Republican. And you know what they (laughs) told me? All Democrats, they said, we don't care. There we go. We don't care. We're sick and tired of the guy that's in office. He's not, you were here working with us. You're here caring about us. We will support you. And I praise God. So there's a big shift. People are changing the scene. I think, not all, because there's still that are never going to change. There's some that will never change. But we're seeing that there is a change that's coming, and there's going to be a red wave this year. Yeah. So you're saying that um, support for the wrong one is driven <laughs> 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 away. That's right. You can never be the right one. <laughs> Unless he becomes a Republican, okay, and then he's right, which he's not right. So it has to be <laughs> What are the top three issues that you tend on uh, focusing on when you're in Congress? Right. Well, the, the three top issues I'm going to focus on already, uh, jobs, education, and public safety. Uh, for example, uh, education, I'm already working on it. We, uh, I, I, I am part of a committee that is the Fort Rosecrans uh, Memorial Day ceremony, and they never opened up their um, scholarship fund to the district. And this year, since I sat on the committee, I went to them and said, hey, can we open this? Just Monday, my team and I put out that now it's open to the entire district. So grads out there that are listening that are just graduated in 2020, you can submit and you can be, get a scholarship as well. So I'm not even office and I'm already working. So education's one. Jobs, we're going to bring jobs back. Again, yeah, other guy doesn't mm-hmm. care. Amen. We need jobs back. We had, before the pandemic, it was at 11% when the rest of the country was at 3.2. Right. So in, a, now, in the sense of bringing, bringing jobs back, right, mm-hmm. uh, we've already had a sense of low um, unemployment. And during the pandemic or COVID, we would have to at least start with getting people back to work before we can even bring jobs back to the community. So that, in my mind, would be the first thing that we start working on in that platform. I concur, and, and I've been a, an advocate for that already, talking about let's get this open. Some of these people, they're, they're really, they don't care about the people. They care about politics. And they're playing politics because their job is to hurt the president. And they don't care what Americans they hurt in the meantime. Yeah. We need to get, I'm talking to small business owners every day, and they're telling me they need to get back to their adults. Let's stop taking away their constitutional rights and their civil liberties and let them get back to work. They know how to act. They'll, they can do social distancing. They can make it sure it's a safe work environment. They can do it, I believe, in the American people. And that's what we need to do is have leaders that can believe in the American people, not fight against the American people. Yes. And then what do you enjoy the most about running for Congress? <laughs> you know what I really enjoy the most about running? Let's hear it. Meeting the great American people. It is so, 
I, I'm an extrovert anyways. I love being out talking to people, but I love being the different personalities, the different people. When they come up to my, myself and my team and they'll tell us they have a problem and fixing that problem, and many people have come to me and told me a problem that they've tried with several that have called the other guy's office. They will not answer them. They will not reply, and they come to me. And I have, we have fixed, myself and Mike, we fixed their issues, and that is really that is so uh, it, it's it just it, it's rewarding it feels good and just meeting American people so you're kind of like the political pit bull you just get in there and, and <laughs> don't let go until it's done I love uh, that yeah he's the well, right one right uh, yeah the right, the right one. one love it right. <laughs> you, you can either be a part of the problem or part of the solution yeah they always decide to be part of the solution the other guy's part of the problem uh, uh, do you? Hi, this is Hazai uh, Juan. Uh, do you believe that the Democrats have taken God out of our lives? That, that's a wonderful question. They absolutely have tried, but they can never take it out of the persona, the part of people. And that's one good thing. I, I said I'm partnering with 15 okay churches and nonprofits. Uh, tomorrow I'm down at South Bay Pentecostal. A lot of churches or people are coming together. They're Christians. And we have to remember that. We have to fight to get our churches back open because I'm always amazed at this, this virus, how it, it, won't, it won't go into Walmart, it won't go to Home Depot, but it'll go into churches. That's what they tell us. We need to stand firm on our faith in Jesus. Or, and, and I don't want to offend you because I know other people have other beliefs. That's fine. I, I will never tell somebody how to believe. But don't tell me that I can't believe. Yeah. That's what yeah. they're after. Awesome. Tell us that we can't have our relationship. You know what? Really quickly, what can we do to help? Thank you. That's, I, I, that's a great question. Listen, if you guys want to help us, uh, go to dollarforcongress.com. Uh, go to our Facebook page, dollarforcongress.com. And you can make a contribution. You can come join the team because it's going to take money to beat mm -hmm. this guy. Exactly. We know that. So we need contribution. And we're out tomorrow. They said 09 to 12. We're at the South Bay Pentecostal on 4th Avenue in Children's. We're going to be handing out food. We're going to be registering voters. And we're going to be giving away free gifts. I'll tell you what it is just to tune up. It's going to be our bumper stickers. If you want to get a bumper sticker to put on your window to promote Idolatry for Congress, please come by and we'll make sure we'll put it on even. So there you go. You heard it here, people. The right one. Thank you so much for being on the show with us, Juan. Take care. God bless you. God bless America. God you bless. too. God bless. Up next, your diary and final thoughts. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back. We're ready to wind down, so go ahead and grab yourself a glass of warm milk or a hottie toddy. So what do you guys think? We have listeners tonight. <laughs> like I said before, I hope the numbers are going up and not going down. I mean, remember, my kids are listening and now Hodad's is listening too, okay? Ooh, hamburgers. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, with your kids, seriously, I can't get my kids to listen to me when I'm not on the radio, okay? <laughs> it's all good. Producer Todd is listening, guys. <laughs> and you know what? I think producer Noah's on the phone too. <laughs> Hi, producer Noah. Hi. <laughs> Hey, the man behind the curtain, I'm behind a location uh, <laughs> at the moment, but yeah. uh, good to be here. The great and powerful Oz. Yes. <laughs> so once again, we're kicking this segment off with Dear Diary, ready or not, here it comes. Dear Diary, 
Everyone has been betrayed at least once in their lives, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Personally, I've been betrayed by family, friends, colleagues, and people I don't even know. Obviously, there are different types of betrayal, all with varying degrees of severity. But the worst kind of betrayals are the ones that cause harm, whether physical or mental, and of course, the ones that cost you your life. Mm -hmm. Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss on the cheek. Aborted babies are betrayed by their mothers who feel burdened and not blessed. Battered women and children are betrayed by the ones they seek shelter and security from. The distinguished elderly of New York, the poets, the bankers, the scientists, were all betrayed by Governor Cuomo when he seated the retirement homes of New York with COVID-infested patients. And George Floyd was betrayed by the policemen who killed him, the bystanders that watched and did nothing to help him, and by Amy Klobuchar, who wouldn't prosecute the man that murdered him. But sadly, George Floyd continues to be betrayed by the people who are now dishonoring his name to cause destruction, mayhem, and chaos. They burned cities, stole from their businesses, ruined the livelihoods of their fellow citizens while evoking fear, suffering, and economic damage, all in the name of social justice. While some protests have been civil and emotional, others have been purely for the sake of uproar and destruction. And it's been speculated that some of these rioters are paid Soros minions. These rioters, paid or not, are the types of people who don't think for themselves and who follow blindly, much in the same way that nobody questioned what was happening while Derek Chauvin's knee was restricting George Floyd's airway. It's a scientific fact that the majority of people don't think for themselves. They are puppets and pawns of perce perceived authority. After the autocracies committed by Hitler, psychologists ask themselves, how could normal, rational people be coaxed so easily to commit the crime of genocide? Psychologists of Yale University devised the Milgram experiment which shows people don't question authority. They recruited volunteers. A volunteer was placed in a room with a distinguished looking elderly professor in a lab coat. On the other side of the room, separated by a glass window, was a half naked person with electrodes attached to his head. At the beginning of the experiment, the professor instructed the volunteer to provide a mild shock, eventually increasing the voltage despite pleas from the recipient. 80% listened to the distinguished authority figure. This shows us how people don't think for themselves and blindly follow in the same way that 90% of people who greeted Jesus with praise on Palm Sunday were the same ones who spit and threw rocks at Jesus on Good Friday. The Bible wants us to think for ourselves. Only God can give judgment. Hazai, isn't that true for Islam as well, that only God can judge? Definitely. Uh, only God has the authority to judge. So in Islam, it's only God has the authority to judge. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me. Guys, what I, do you guys I, think? I just say, when I look at the books, it says, in the beginning was the word. And so if people start to really understand the words, then they would understand who their God is. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm struggling. Yes, I believe that God is the only one who can judge us. But I'm struggling not judging people right now, especially with what's going on in the world. Right. It's, it's difficult to not want to judge. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard. It is. Producer Noah, what do you think? And I'm trying not to judge people. It's actually been pretty easy for me. The way that I look at it is, and there are so many instances in the Bible where God is just preaching about the love and peace and understanding that we all need to show each other, because that is what He would do. Mm -hmm. And I understand that people are upset and people are emotional, and we all kind of get up uh, with our emotions from time to time in, in daily life. But when it comes to something like this that's so important, like the racial matter, we really got to think it through right. and talk and try and work it out with those that were offended instead of just making these 
stupid riots, like you said, they're being paid off. Mm -hmm. They're listening to these authority figures and they're not even questioning the harm that they are doing to the possible unity that could actually happen. Yeah, they're taken away from it. Exactly. You know, usually we save this for the end of the show, but I feel compelled to say a quick prayer right now. Um, Heavenly Father, help us to think for ourselves and not to listen to the whisperings of the devil and his evil instruments, George Soros, the leftist lemmings of the Democratic Party, Nancy Pelosi, and other demons roaming around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. We ask for hope and guidance, restore our strength, renew our minds, and cast out anything that is not of you. We pray for forgiveness and peace and ask that you remind our fellow countrymen that all of us are one nation under God. We also pray for George Floyd and his family and for the officers and all the businesses that were ruined during this destruction. May, his, may George Floyd's memory not be defiled by such hatred and instead be revered. In your, in your son, Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. 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 Yes. You know, it's definitely been a tough year. First, the whole public health crisis, the shutdown of the state, and now the tragedy of George Floyd's death, diminished by the violent uprising caused by these rioters nationwide. And I and note, rioters, not protesters. Yes, there's a difference. And it's been a total nightmare. I mean, I wish there was a reset button on 2020. <laughs> you know, you and me both. Probably the only positive thing that happened so far was SpaceX. Oh, yeah. Uh, Elon Musk been working on that for like 18 years. <laughs> He's quite the innovator. Yeah, SpaceX. Yeah, some of these protesters were actually, uh, you know, doing the right thing, and it takes uh, away from what they're trying to do. I think legitimately, when these rioters come and mess everything up and cause such mayhem, and that's where the disconnect is. And the rioters need to stop and be held accountable, so that the people that want to protest rightfully in a peaceful way can actually do that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's very tragic. You know. It's awful what's going on right now. Um, you know, I can't imagine how George Floyd's family must feel. I mean, no matter what he did in the past, he didn't deserve to die the way he did. Um, no one does. And we look up to law enforcement to uphold the law. You know, when a, when a police officer puts on his badge, he becomes the officer of the government. He swears an oath to serve and protect. And, and I get that, that that isn't always the case. But, you know, take a look at the summer, some of the other trage- tragedies where a woman who happened to be white was also murdered by a Minnesota cop who also happened to be black or a black cop who happened to be murdered by another cop. I mean, you know, where's their um, justice, you know? Where is it at? I mean, we need to stop bl- uh, labeling, dividing, stop blaming. All lives matter here. I 100% agree. And I also want to add that that all the cops are not bad. Not all the black people are, are criminals. And not all the white people are racist, you know? You know, interesting um, how, racist, how racism has always been a Democrat cause. I mean, in the media, the lamestream media, <laughs> we're always shown the picture of the Republican Party and, and that they're a party of white men. Which is interesting because it was the Republicans that fought against slavery. You know, it was the Democrats that didn't stop the police officer who killed Floyd. And it was Amy Klobuchar who, you know, could have jailed Floyd's killer, but chose not to. Right. I, I Look, it, I'm going to just tell you how I feel. First of all, I'm going to start off by correcting some of the things. Um, the word black is, was only really introduced by Franklin Delano Roosevelt in like 1933, along with your public works, along with your Social Security Administration. It doesn't actually apply to any person on the earth. It's an adjective. And then it's also used as a transverbative. So it really doesn't apply to the people. So once the people start to understand that they're not black, then the world will be able to start to make some change forward. 
That's mm-hmm. my truth. Okay. Um, you know, I, I participated in a peaceful protest last night in Ocean Beach, like I said earlier, and it was beautiful. And, you know, I think the message was really, it was a nice, peaceful message, and it was in George Floyd's memory. You know, and I think that's what needs to be happening more, and I think that's how maybe we could be heard. Uh, nice. Me too, actually. I was there in Ocean Beach uh, in the protest, you know. I feel like... Uh, Wearing uh, mask, I hope. Yeah, of course. definitely. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Go I ahead. Have like, I have like three or four masks inside my inside the car, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, actually, I feel like the, the criminals, the cops who are watching George Floyd, you know, getting killed, they should have stopped. And I feel like they should be brought to justice. Oh, they are now. Definitely. They they're, they're coming after him now. Yeah. You know, I saw a tweet from Geraldo Rivera that totally nailed it. He wrote, countless minority-owned businesses and neighborhoods trashed or destroyed, forgotten or made secondary in this self-indulgent orgy of greed is the maddening crime against George Floyd and the suffering of that poor man's family. You deface his memory. I mean, as Americans, we have every right to peacefully protest, but we don't have the right to recklessly destroy property, whether it's the cities or our neighbors, to prove a point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the most heartbreaking scenes from the riots that I saw involved a minority business owner crying in desperation, pleading with the rioters not to burn down his business. He said, I came from the ghetto, same as you, and I tried to make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Producer Noah, wh- what are some of the, you know, heartbreaking or heartwarming scenes that you've seen? Uh, some of the heartbreaking things are the ones where you, you really see people that are that are so again when you come to the emotion of it all may say that there there are only two sides of this you have to pick a side you're either with the cops or you're with or you're with the the, the minority that's being offended here if all you know black lives matter and I I think that's wrong I think that there's there's the neutral ground where you want to bring everybody together in peace and love that a lot of people stand on and a lot of people. Um, I think are getting aren't getting recognized for having that opinion. That's exactly where I stand. Uh, as far as the positive things that aren't being recognized, there's a guy, Pamela, that I was talking about with you. I'm trying to get him on my my local radio show, um, and he's just awesome. His name is Ken. He runs the Free Hugs Project. You can check him out over. Oh yeah, on he is YouTube. rad. Been, nice. He's been doing it for a while, and he has gone up to I don't know the location, but to the cops when they were Uh-oh. you know getting ready for a protest. And you know, telling these people that you know hate is not the way that these guys are trying to actually protect you. I, They're I, trying to protect me. Well, you know, I totally, when you, I totally when you agree. Get him, oh, when you get him on this sh- on this show, let let me know. Look, <laughs> this is what I want to say. Know, we spend so much time fighting about the lie that we have not even started fighting about the truth yet. Amen. You know, the real America is America of ambition and goals, not division and hatred. You know, that about does it for tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed this installment of the showground. This is Pamela Ramos signing out. Good night and God bless. Bye, guys. Thank you, Noah. Adios, amigos. (laughs) Adios. Thank you for joining us for the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear on Famila and Friends. To learn more about Famila Ramos, how to be a guest or sponsor on the show, visit FamilaandFriends.com. Tune in at this same time every week for more Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego.